When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Welcome back to the PHLY Sixers podcast. I'm Derek Bodner, joined by a guy who is professional and engaged when present. <laughs> How you doing, Kyle? Uh, I just like, kind of sprint jog down the hallway because I was on the phone right at, right before Derek and I came on. Kyle and I have spent much of the morning texting <laughs> and talking uh, with various people because a couple of bombs have been dropped. I don't even really want to call eh, they're They're sort of bombs. I guess to get you sort of caught up. Yesterday, there was a report from Sham Sharania. Uh, I believe he did this on Stadium. The tweet said, While professional and engaged when present, James Harden has not attended any of the Sixers' preseason games and has participated in just one team practice scrimmage over 14 days of training camp, which that's just a wild report. Um, kind of a weird way to be professional and engaged, if you're asking <laughs> yes. me, but uh, no one's asking. NBA well, some reporting people are asking. is wild. Then that was followed up today. Um, with another report that James Harden has not been present with the 76ers since Sunday. This one, once again, from Sham Sharania. And then various other people saying that Harden has not been, or obviously is not at practice today. And we will see what happens. I guess sort of what I have been told over the course of the last two days. You know, he did travel with the Sixers to Brooklyn on Sunday. Did go through team meetings. He was then, you know, Nick Nurse told him and Korkmaz, who at the time were the only two who weren't expected to play in the game, that they did not have to be at the game. Korkmaz did remain with the team. James Harden obviously did not. I don't think that's necessarily what you would want to hear from your star player, but I also don't think it's necessarily something that has... I think that's probably something that has happened before over the course of James Harden's career. Let me phrase it that way. So it didn't necessarily raise an immediate red flag that Harden didn't remain with the team. And yesterday, they did not have a formal practice. So today is sort of the first unexcused absence within that. In terms of his participation level, I've actually I've, I've heard that he was actually pretty um, participated in the vast majority of stuff over the course of the last two weeks. Uh, various points he would pull himself out, but certainly it's not like he hasn't been practicing. And I think overall the reports I've gotten are that he has actually been professional and engaged, and he has participated in the vast majority of stuff uh, leading up to this sort of recent high uh, recent jettisoning of himself. 
you know, I think sort of the way I would read this is I think, and this I'm now sort of moving from reporting to sort of tea leaf reading. I think the reports came out that Terrence Mann was off the table and that's not necessarily new information, but it is sort of confirmation and the combination of that and the reports that, you know, that second draft pick is off the table. The lack of traction in flipping the one pick that the Clippers are willing to trade into multiple, multiple tick, multiple picks. Hasn't it's not gotten, like you get paid I to talk on a talk podcast there has not gained any traction and the coming of the regular season has maybe caused James Harden to want to put a little more pressure on than he was doing before. I think there was a, a maybe a belief that there was traction gaining on a trade or at least he wanted to play the good soldier to see if the traction could be gained on a trade. And now that has not been the case. I think everyone's looking at it like this. He's probably going to start the season on the roster and that's why we're escalating now. Yeah, so number one, while we were firing up the show, it appears that Joel Embiid is signing an endorsement deal with Skechers, which is like an absolute NBA Mad Libs that's yeah. coming from Shams. So I, I can't believe Skechers is going to have an NBA division. That's kind of we'll have to sit on that for a little while. But it's so, not like like it's not like Skechers is signing like you know some. Some like no name no, prospect yeah, it's or Joel Embiid. Yeah, it's so that's kind of bizarre, but some the story for another day. Uh, to your point on Harden, I do think that that was a big reason to delay playing in the preseason until the final game. And when he came out and spoke publicly, he said, "Yeah, I think I'm ramping up, and by next Friday or by Friday's game, that should be go time for me." Well, that's the very last game you can play in, and give him the longest possible time during the preseason before anything could happen. And I think he's probably holding out hope. Now, whether there was actually reason to have hope is another story. I mean, Derek, you and I have talked about this a lot. There's been no real reason for either side yeah. of the trade discussions to budge. So some quick fact checking. I think there's been a, obviously a ton of reporting out there. James is in Houston right now and not in Philadelphia. So I believe it was Jake Fisher at Yahoo first reported that. Yeah. I can confirm that that is accurate. I think as far as the next steps for James go, what I've been told talking to people around James that prepare for anything would be, I guess, how I would phrase it. I think that Friday preseason game that we expected he might play in I wouldn't count that as a definite, certainly at this point. I think that's probably obvious to anyone who saw and heard that he skipped practice today. But so we don't know when he'll appear for the Sixers again. He could end up showing up at practice tomorrow, for all we know. I think this is all a very fluid situation. And the only way this is changing is if the Clippers decide to make a real change in what they're offering the Sixers. Derek, I think you and I both talked to people today who gave an, a pretty good indication of where the Sixers are at in terms of the valuation there. And let me know if you disagree with this. I think if the Clippers simply put both picks on the table, yes. just like push Terrence Mann aside, I think the deal would get done today. Yeah, I, I think there's, I don't want to say no question about that, but I'm, I'm pretty strongly agree with you on that. I also think the Clippers probably value that second pick as much as Terrence Mann. So I think it's pretty unlikely they will include that pick unless there's something very materially changes. And there's just nothing that can really happen at this time of the year to change that equation. Again, I think that's a big reason why 
a lot of the escalation is happening now. You're getting to a point where you actually have to decide whether you're going to show up for a game, whether you are going to play for the team, whether you're truly going to buy back in, or whether you're going to use this opportunity to cause a disruption. Um, like I said, you ha- the, the equation has to change right now for a trade And so to Harden happen. is trying to make it change himself. Right. And if, if that's not going to happen with the Clippers and their asking price, he has to change what Daryl Morey is willing to accept. And I, I mean, we've spoken a lot. I think there's a lot of conflicting goals right now. Does James Harden want to be someone who, um, you know, really proves himself as a teammate, whether he has to or not, he probably feels like he doesn't. I think some teams might, you know, they might want him to show up and play good basketball before they trade for him. Or does he want to get out of Philly? They can be competing a little bit. uh, And I think he's trying to balance that a little bit. And I think, like I said, I think there's probably a belief or maybe even an understanding of show up the camp, be mostly normal. Don't be a distraction. We'll play up the, you know, the, the, the good vibes, the good effort, the high participation and engaged level while we try to work on a trade. And maybe James was doing that because he thought that was the best chance to have a trade happen now, or at least not to blow it up. Now that it's not materializing, I think we're just seeing a reaction to that. What is the version, the podcasting version of high participation in this instance? So would it be doing all the pre-show stuff and then... James doesn't scrimmage, so you just like don't do the show. Is that is that our version of no if, participant if for I, high I participation? I showed up ten percent of the time, but I was man, I was knocking down the park those ten percent. <laughs> yeah, I, don't yeah. I mean, I don't mean to make light of all this, but it, it it's a really absurd situation that the Sixers find themselves in for a second time in three seasons. The four hundredth time in three seasons. Well, yeah, I mean, absurdity is a general is the general rule for the Sixers, but. Yeah, I just don't see how this gets solved because I think one of the issues here is that both sides have proven to be equally stubborn. And I don't even mean stubborn as a a negative descriptor here. I think Daryl certainly in the Ben Simmons standoff and just how he views things in general, right? Like very numbers-based and this gives us X percent better chance or worse chance to win a title. I think he's still sitting in his office today saying, I'm not making a deal unless we maintain or improve our championship equity for this season and ideally into the future. Whereas James says, and the people around him say, this is not repairable. He doesn't want to play for Daryl Morey's team. He's not going to back down from that. He had an opportunity to soft shoe it a little bit in his first press conference or what a scrum in front of the media last Friday. And he straight up said, no, this is like a failed marriage. Once the trust is gone, it can't come back. So both of these sides are essentially banking on the other side buckling. Right. And I don't think either side historically has shown that they're going to do anything other than what they want at any given time. So it's, it's like every other day there's going to be a new show about some new soap opera twist in this saga. It is wild. You know, <laughs> it's like on the one hand, there's a lot. Like I enjoy watching Tyrese Maxey play. I enjoy that quite a bit. Yeah. I enjoy watching Joel Embiid play even if he can frustrate you in the playoffs. I enjoy watching Nick, Nick Nurse defenses fly all over the place with reckless abandon and try to force turnovers. And we can dis- And I enjoy dissecting that, both the pros and cons of that. But we're not we're not talking about the game, Kyle. We're not talking about the game that we love. We're talking about talking Skechers. About, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> did you see, by the way, one of the new signees in the Skechers basketball division 
Terrence Mann, LA Clippers, untouchable. Really? <laughs> yeah, it's, you can't even make this stuff up that somehow these guys are getting tied together via shoe endorsement deals and I everything mean, maybe else. Maybe Skechers know something we don't. Listen, I know, like, I'm not trying to make light of the sneaker stuff because Skechers as a basketball brand is bizarre to me, but a lot of the behind the scenes recruitment and tampering stuff is through things sure. like, Hey, we were, we are endorsers of the same sneaker company yeah. or we played on team USA together. It's the stuff that's in basketball, but outside of basketball to some degree. So well, you never that's know where Mark Eversley got to start. And now he's with the bulls formerly of the Sixers. That's some, I mean, there's a lot of those guys now, like agents yep. have become lead executives. So you never know where, the next trade might come from it might be those shoes that have the the wheels in the heel do you think they do you think they'll allow those in an nba game is that against regulation i'm or guessing what? that's against regulation i haven't actually checked the uh, the rule book yet but i would guess so uh, I would guess wheelies so. man that'd be quite a sight on an nba floor so yeah i mean look when do, do we think this is going to drag into a, a lot of the Top insiders, so people like Woj, guy like Zach Lowe, who you and I know both know and respect, are saying this might go past the December fifteenth sure. trade date that you know offseason signings become available. I don't, I don't know that I buy that because that's always just kind of a, a way for people to kick the can down the road and say, oh yeah, December fifteenth, and yeah, does I it mean, really look, mean anything? There are some deals where I think it matters um, because that's just more contract. It's not even like. Well, let me look at the players who are ineligible to be traded until December 15th. Which one of those would we target? It's not even necessarily about targeting. A lot of times it's just more contracts that are available to trade, uh, and it makes it easier to make multi-team deals work. Yeah. So I think that's part of it. So I think December 15th is a, you know, a, a deadline to look at. I don't necessarily think that's what's holding this one back, though. I think it's just that neither team feels the pressure, and something's going to happen, probably with games or injuries, that will make one of these two teams feel pressure. Um, and that won't happen until the regular season starts. And December 15th is only a month, a month and a half into the season. So it's a reasonable place to look. So Miles in the comp. First of all, Dave said Sketcher must have outbid LA Gear for Embiid services. That's always the case. If LA Gear put out a basketball shoe tomorrow, I'd be the first person to line up for those light up shoes. That would be quite a nostalgia hit for me. So LA Gear, if you're still out there somewhere, they might have folded as a company by this point, but holler at me. And then we have Miles saying the fact that Daryl's let this get to a point with someone he knew is such a disgrace. I don't know that I would go that far, but that has been kind of my point to you, Derek, that if your whole thing is you're the star guy and star equity and all this stuff, you can't, you cannot let this happen. And maybe that means you don't trade for James in the first place, knowing that this guy has now has a track record of trying to force his way out of places. When he's not happy, he makes it very clear. I know Daryl has not really been the victim of it ever up to this point because even when he forced right. his way out in Houston, Daryl was already out of there. So either had to plan for it well ahead or when he knew this was coming, when the money was going to become an issue, that history needed to be leaned on in some way rather than, hey, I'm ghosting you yep. for two months and now we end up in this spot where Derek and I have to record – 15 James Harden podcasts a month. <laughs> really? One more question here from Brian Knight, and we'll let you get to the ad reads. Is man really the only holdup, or is it the picks? It's a little bit of both. You know, I think I'm pretty confident that the, if 
both picks are included, it would get done. I'm less confident yeah. if one pick and man would get it done. But the fact that neither is off the table means that there's just it's we're not even really close. Um, but it's it's both. I, I do think the pick is probably the, the bigger of the two. Yeah, I, I think we're in total agreement on that. So let's take a brief break from the show to tell you guys about a couple of our newest friends. I'm here to tell you about Shady Rays, who Shady Rays, I cannot wait to get my new sunglasses that they're sending over. I might actually bring them into the studio and put them on, but... Shady Rays is an independent sunglass company for you guys that don't know that offers an unrivaled product just as good as any expensive pair we've worn, durable frames, world-class optics for all outdoor adventures. And if you're into winter sports, which I am not a skier or a snowboarder because I feel like I would tear my knees up doing that. But for those of you who are into that kind of stuff, they have quick quick swap snow lenses that switch easily from full sun to low light. So changing light conditions won't slow you down on the slopes, and all you need is Shady Rays snow goggles. That's not all. Shady Rays offers the most insane protection in all of eyewear. Every pair of sunglasses is backed by lost or broken replacements. And if you lose or break your pair, even on day one, they told us they will send you a brand new pair, no questions asked. So wear your Shady Rays with confidence because they have your back long after you purchase. And if you don't love your Shady Rays, Exchange for a new pair, return them for free within 30 days. There's no risk when you shop at Shady Rays. The team always has your back with personal and fast support. So exclusively for our listeners, Shady Rays is giving out an amazing deal for the season. Go to ShadyRays.com, use code PHLY for 50% off two plus pairs of polarized sunglasses. That's a hell of a deal. So try for yourself. The Shades rated five stars by over 250,000 people. Never never snowboarding or skiing, huh? No, I mean, I've done it. I'm just not that kind of guy. I think you have a, a friend of ours to tell the people about. Well, though, I, I, I was going to say. Wear your like, Shady Ray sunglasses and eat some Hero Bread. Maybe. I was going to say, if we can get, let's say, uh, a high number. Let's say we get 30,000 YouTube subscribers by December 15th. Can we get you on the slopes? For what purpose? Just to watch me bust my ass a, on a, Blue Mountain or something? Yes. Or? So hit that, that like and subscribe button on YouTube. <laughs> we'll get Kyle on the slopes. Derek's trying to victimize me for subscribers. And, <laughs> yes, you know, that's, it's the best sales pitch he's ever made. 100%. I think. All right. Let me tell you real quick about Hero Bread. And we actually had a box of Hero Bread delivered to our studio. Um, I'd love to tell you I had a chance to sample every variety that they have. But we have a bunch of crazy people here. That box was devoured uh, before I got a chance to sample everything. What I did try, I loved, and don't worry, I definitely have a box on the way, so I'll give you an update shortly. And if you're like me, especially now that they put me in front of these cameras every day, um, you may not be counting carbs necessarily, but you may be looking to get more fiber or protein in your diet. With Hero Bread, the bread is fluffy, delicious, and flavorful, high in fiber, and has low net carbs with zero grams of sugar per slice. Hero makes sliced bread, buns, tortillas that are available on Hero.co and on Amazon with fewer calories than the leading national brand and 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Right now, Hero Bread is offering the PHLY fam 10% off of their first order. Go to Hero.co and use code PHLY to save on Hero Bread today. That's H-E-R-O dot C-O to save 10% today. Wait, so a quick aside here. We had somebody in the comments bring up Bones Highland, who former Nuggets player. 
Did you see the quote that Nuggets GM Calvin Booth gave about Bones Highland yesterday? I did, I did not. I heard some discussion about it, but I did not see the full quote. So for context for anybody either watching live or listening to the show, Calvin Booth did an interview with Kevin O'Connor at the Ringer and discussed trading Bones Highland from the Nuggets to the Clippers. And this was the direct explanation he gave to Kevin O'Connor Quote, I knew you couldn't have two guys that couldn't guard, and we couldn't have two guys <laughs> that were young and kind of more me guys. Yeah. Mike makes, yeah. Mike, so Michael Porter Jr., makes $30 million, one of the best shooters in the NBA. So, Bones, there's no place for you. That's about, and so this became such a controversy on, what was it, Tuesday, yesterday, Tuesday, that Calvin Booth had to go on the broadcast on, I think, ESPN and say, I did not. I think he was essentially saying, I didn't think I was saying that on the record. <laughs> it was the backlash was that significant that saying that Michael Porter Jr. couldn't defend. And by the way, I think Michael Porter Jr. has actually improved as a defender. I don't have much confidence in Bones Highland, but yeah, he at least small has and skinny guard. Athleticism and size to make plays, even yeah. if he's not always locked in. Yeah. So anyway, that was, I saw Bones I Highland's mean, name. And on the one was, hand, as a journalist, I, I, I would love for GMs to be that open more often. Quite frankly, as a fan, I would love for GMs to be that open more often. But in terms of player and relationship management, maybe not the best way to go about that. Wild quote. I don't think I've ever seen someone that upfront. Yeah. About a so anyway, that was a quick nugget slash clippers aside. But do we have any stray hardened thoughts reporting before we get to how Joel handled it at yeah, I mean, practice look, today? It's, it's, we're in a spot where the two sides want something very different. And they're both, I don't say sort of right for what they want because, you know, I think Harden is probably, if I had to pick one that was in the wrong, you know, I think Harden certainly, there are reasons for why he's in his spot. But I understand, like, if he thinks that someone else is going to value him and play him, he wants to go there. But Daryl has to do what's best for the team. Like, you talk to Harden's camp, and they will talk about, you know, sort of like, you know, the relationship aspect of it and the human aspect of it. You know, but Daryl Morey has a responsibility to sort of everyone on that roster and all the fans. And you might not like your client be, client being leveraged, but if that's what's best for the team and helps the career of the other 14 players on the roster, helps the Sixers win a championship, and helps the fans who enjoy their team... That should be his responsibility. And again, that doesn't mean that the lack of communication leading up to it was the right tactic. It certainly doesn't mean that he shouldn't have been able to predict this from a guy he spent so much time with. But I just don't think that trying to squeeze Harden a little bit makes him like, I understand where he's coming from. And I don't think either side's going to see each other's perspective. I don't think the market for it's going to change anytime soon. And it just leaves us living in the state of constant annoyance <laughs> yeah well to the marriage analogy that james made i do think it's a little easier to forgive people early in relationships right because you can say right. that mistakes or misunderstandings are just trying to get to one to know one another better in this example though daryl and james have been tight and been essentially partners for about a decade and so this feels like a real, to James and the pe people who are advising him, it feels like he's being stabbed in the back. Like that's how they're characterizing yeah. this. This is not, hey, Daryl wants to talk to you about 
making a little less money moving forward or not giving you this many years, blah, blah, blah. They feel like this is an outright betrayal rather than a conversation between an executive and yep. a, a player. And so that, that I think is the hardest thing to square. And that's why to James's point, I do think it's probably impossible to ever repair this or repair this on a timeline that matters for, you know, James's yeah. career purposes on the floor because they are so far apart and how they view this. And it's honestly kind of amazing knowing the two of them and how they operate and hearing from both sides on this, that they were able to succeed together for so long because they are so different. Sure, but it's, it's real easy to be in lockstep when you both agree that you're worth everything that sure. you can throw your way. And, you know, Miles bringing up, um, you know, the point that in the chat, Miles bringing up that Harden worked with their last year to take a pay cut. I agree. Like, that was a real legitimate concession. Like, that's $14 million he left on the table. It just seems like Harden thought, you know, it seems like both sort of came in with a bad assumption. Maury probably that Harden won't, maybe he did this to Houston, maybe he did this to Brooklyn. He won't do this to me. And Harden came it's in. It's that with, arrested development meme. Like it hasn't worked for anyone else, but maybe it'll work for right. us. But I, I think he thought that shared history would prevent it from getting this point. Yeah. And I think Harden thought, well, he's not going to leverage me. Like even if maybe the rest of the league doesn't think I'm a max player, like if I'm close to it, Daryl will give me it. And I think part of it is just that Harden's not as close to a max being valued around the league as a max player. Like he thinks he is. And the combination of that valuation and now Daryl being the one to um, you know, strong arm him. It's just, it's, I don't think he knows how to react. I don't think he knows how to process that. Would you like, and that's why, so I'm not saying that I'm like team James over here. No, but I, I understand. An I understand star. how he got yeah. here. Yeah. It's, you can only be treated as like the second coming for so long before you begin to believe that. Right. And it's, it's not like he is like late stage Chris Weber, who was, no, he's a, still a really good he's basketball player. Really good, you know, top 25, top 30, all-star level player still. But there's like there's just so much in addition to that between being 34, the new CBA, all the limitations that come with that. I just think that James Harden thought, I'm James Harden, I'm not going to be leveraged. And I think in this new CBA, teams have to be very, very discerning with these kind of contracts. And by the way... And I, 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 I will fully admit, like my bias here... I don't have like a team or a person bias. I view things a lot through team building perspective. I've always done that. When I started writing about the NBA, it was coming at it from a team building perspective. I've always found that fascinating. So I think I probably look at that argument maybe more than some. And there is that human element. And I don't know how to balance those two because I think this is a, a tricky situation to balance. Um, you know, but from a team building, I 100% get Daryl's perspective on this. Well, and so I, I wanted to say you were bringing up the he's a top 25, 30 player. And we we defended him pretty hard when he got ranked 43 in that yeah. recent ESPN yep. thing. It's insane. I, I think, honestly, from the team's perspective, and it's this is not going to work, to be clear. But I do think that part of their argument they would make to James to say, you should try to patch this up or we can make this right, whatever, is that you look at what the Clippers are offering, and again, no offense to Terrence Mann, who I like. They won't give up fucking Terrence Mann yeah. for a guy who's probably a top 25 player even in a diminished state in the entire league. And they can go to James and say, look, maybe we're, we weren't giving you a four- or five-year max in your mid-30s, but we really value you. We're not giving you up for the poo-poo platter of – 
protected picks and pick swaps and expiring contracts. They got to give us a real offer because we still think you're a really, really good basketball player. And that that's what's so messed up about all of this is that the Sixers know that if they trade him, unless they immediately flip whatever they get for, you know, a Zach Levine or just like name a guy who's available out there, they know they're going to take a step back and have worse chance to contend than they do if James was simply on the roster and happy. So they acknowledge that. Now, whether they should have ponied up some more money is James's sticking point, and I don't see how they get around it. I still, I, I just, I think maybe the biggest mistake in all of this was opting in. Like, I think James yeah. was convinced if he didn't opt in, he wouldn't get his $35 million back. I think he probably would have. And also, there was still room to negotiate when tempers cooled down. There was still room to negotiate in a sign-and-trade. Now, that gets tricky because there's all kinds of rules on what you can do after acquiring a player in a sign-and-trade with a hard cap. But still, it just it feels very boxed in where the only way that this could have been resolved is by James acting up. And that's not even really... like I, I almost blame the NBA and their rule structure for superstars acting up in this way people will say that i'm defending daryl but i think one reason i will defend harden is that the cba is designed that you almost have to act up to get your way but the one way to prevent that was to not opt in um but i think he was just so scared by and this is where maybe the daryl blame comes in he was so scared by lack of communication that um he thought that was his only option yeah it's one of those unintended consequences where they put rules in place at the league level to try to Give teams the advantage as the incumbent to keep a player who's really good. And the players look at it as, okay, well, this is where I can get the most money. It might not be where I want to play. And they've flipped that so that it's, they have their cake and they eat it too. So I don't really know how you get around that. And it's just like, that is just going to become more severe because you do have all of these new second apron rules coming in place. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's definitely an unintended consequence, but it's one that is I don't think really I don't think really understood fully the impacts of it. All right, uh, we do have we will get to you mentioned the James comments here in a the second. Joel comments you mean Joel's you comment have. on James that's true <laughs> that is what I meant. Uh, before that, a quick word uh, from Game Time. Kyle and I were down at Citizens Bank Park last night. Truly incredible. Like I I absolutely adore that place. Um, I, I mentioned this before, but I had season tickets. Through much of the 07 to 11 run, uh, I did not get a chance to go down there for a postseason game last year. But being in that building, the electricity, the almost communal aspect of a playoff baseball game, it's truly fantastic. A lot of high fives from people a Derek and I fives. had never met yep. before. Just an awesome time. You didn't high five me once, though. I got plenty of high fives. You didn't stick strength. your hand no, up to high five me. What I'm do you saying, want from I'm me? I'm just pointing it out. Anyway, you're going to want to get down there when they do return. I think that's probably going to end up being in the World Series, but cross your fingers on Knocking that on one. wood with my Yeah. <laughs> if you're looking to get in on the action and be part of the best home field advantage in professional sports, you're going to want to check out Game Time to make sure you can get the best deal possible. Buying tickets to your favorite events shouldn't be stressful. Game Time is the fast and easy way to buy tickets for all sports, music, comedy, and theater near you. With killer deals on last-minute tickets and their best price guarantee, you can stop stressing over the tickets and start getting hyped for the fun you'll have. GameTime is the place for last-minute ticket deals. Forget planning months in advance, GameTime has deals on tickets right up to the day of the event. And the GameTime guarantee means you'll always get the best price. If you find tickets in the same section and row for less, GameTime will credit you 110% of the difference. It's the fastest-growing ticketing app in the country for a reason. Get images of the seat before you buy so you know exactly what to expect when you arrive. You can buy tickets in a matter of seconds. Two taps and you're set. 
with tickets sent directly to your phone so you never have to dig through your email. Snag the tickets without the stress with GameTime. Download the GameTime app, create an account, and use code PHLY for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Again, create an account and redeem code PHLY for $20 off. Download GameTime today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. I appreciate Dave sticking up for me in the comments saying Derek exudes a little bit of that don't high-five me aura. So thank you very much, Dave. And also thank you very much to our good friends at DraftKings Sportsbook. Because things are heating up in the ballpark that Derek and I were at last night. I'm hoping PHLY sees fit to send us to, you know, another future Phillies playoff game. at quite a Arizona. good time. I'm happy to go. And with DraftKings Sportsbook, you won't miss a moment of the baseball action. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets for betting just $5 on baseball. Plus, all customers can take a crack at a sweet payday with DraftKings Same Game Parlays. String together multiple bets from a single game. For your shot at a major payout. So what are you waiting for? Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use code PHLY. New customers can score $200 instantly in bonus bets, betting just $5 on baseball, only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code PHLY. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit www.1800gambler.net. In New York, call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY-467-369. In Connecticut, help is available for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. Please play responsibly. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, licensee partner Golden Nugget, Lake Charles, Louisiana, 21 plus age varies by jurisdiction, void in Ontario. See dkng.co slash baseball for eligibility terms and responsible gaming resources. Bonus bets expire seven days after issuance. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. I feel like we usually do DraftKings in the first break when maybe you have a little more stamina left in you. That was tough. I got plenty of podcasting job, stamina, buddy. buddy. We are. Oh, also, I see a, a beautiful shirt down in the bottom left-hand corner. If you guys have not seen on either Instagram or Twitter yet, we do have a new T-shirt in the PHLY Locker store, Bombs Over Broad Street. Seeing a lot of those get hit at CBP on Tuesday night. I almost forgot the day of the week again. I expect we're going to be seeing more of those. So you guys can get that shirt along with shirts like these, like the one I'm wearing right now at PHLY Locker. And if you're a diehard, you could even get a free shirt by signing up for the yearly package. So, you know, take that into consideration as you listen to the rest of the show. All right, so you want to get to Joe? You, you, yeah, you I feel like that was today. a lot of my voice in a row, but I was the one who was at practice. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, we do want to get to Joe. Uh, so I, how much did you see of his comments? And Yeah, I know. I watched I watch a clip you posted. Yeah, okay. So Joe, I think, is still in that mode of trying to be diplomatic. For the people who or watching the stream, maybe didn't see or hear what happened yet. I'd find that unlikely, but you never know. Joel essentially said <laughs> maybe Harden had something, something to do, to do you know, today that, that would have interrupted his practice schedule. Had to get an oil change. Like you mentioned, I wasn't Had to get his jersey retired at another strip club. I, you, I, you I thought know. I could fit in a, a car inspection for this morning because I thought like if they were going to be, you know, Big days, it would be the day before. I'm actually pissed off. After. I got ticketed for, I forgot to get my car inspected. Oh, so. Okay. But I, I thought the day after, or day before, or day after the final preseason game were the p- potential hot button time. So I was not at practice for getting my, my car inspected. Maybe he was getting his car inspected. I find it unlikely. But yeah, so Joel gave him 
several outs, basically just kept reinforcing. I don't know what's happened. I haven't talked to him. And look, there's definitely a part of it that just Joel straight up lying because yeah, he's trolling. He's having a little fun. Even just the reporting stuff. He follows Ramona Shelburne and Woj and, you know, all the shams and all these other people. And he has as good a pulse on what's out there and what's going on as anybody. So to trot out the whole, well, I don't know, maybe he's just getting an oil change or something. Like, I don't buy that. But I do think he's probably learned from the Ben experience, as these guys all have. And he's trying to keep things as steady as possible as they wait to see how this gets resolved is yeah. the simplest read on if, it. If he wants his response to go viral, and he probably knows that no matter what he says, it's going to be seen a lot. He wants his response to be trolling, and that's something that be, can really be taken either way. Um, yeah, it, it, that's who he is. And it's it's. I, think I thought it was a funny response. Wasn't necessarily expecting him to go scorched earth on, on Harden, but you never truly know what you're going to get with Joe but I think that was a pretty predictable one. Dave said it must be prime rib night at the Spearmint Rhino. That is a, a legendary, uh, let's call it a, a gentleman's establishment, I would say, sure. that I'm familiar with. So maybe a little too familiar with. But <laughs> uh, Yeah, so that was the big takeaway for me is that, and some of this is just that, and Joel mentioned this, he doesn't really have the bandwidth to focus as much on James because he hasn't played hasn't yet. played yet, yeah. So for a guy who's got a new coach, a new system, a bunch of new teammates, and is still the central hub of the team, the guy through which everything flows, his number one, two, and three responsibilities are getting up to speed, learning how to play within this system, and something that didn't make all the headlines today, but Joel talked about a lot, that – one of his big goals is just being a more impactful passer and using the attention that's turned on him in a way to make his teammates better and create easier shots for his teammates. And he's alluded to it in the past. He's even gone so far as to say, like, oh, I could lead the league in assists if I wanted to, like doing the the Wilt Chamberlain type stuff. Like, Or I don't think he said that. I think he said I could get 10 assists a game like Jokic, essentially. I don't know that I buy yeah. that without turning the ball over nine times for the, the 10 assists. But I do think with the way the team is set up now with a different coach and the different priorities they have on offense, I do think potentially you're going to see that scoring dip a little bit and the assists will go up kind of naturally based on how the team wants to play. Yeah, no, I agree. I'm not sure I have too much left on the whole James thing. Um, to be honest, there's a pretty big change in the fact that he is now away from the team on, I don't call it unexcused as of now, because I think they will give him a chance to explain himself, but you assume unexcused absence, certainly one the team wasn't anticipating. Like I said, the bar to that becoming excused, probably a little higher than an oil change, but you never know. <laughs> but to be honest, like most of what we're talking about here in terms of the leverage or whether any side is going to budge or what the best course of action will be. Who's to blame. We've talked about that. Like you, like you said, this is probably the 15th James Harden podcast we've done since we and launched, we're going to do 15 more. Most we likely launched in early September. There's only so many new things you could say about it. It really is just going back to my point. Like 
watching these preseason games, I'm as a basketball fan. I report on the Sixers, but I'm a basketball fan. As a fan, I'm starting to get a little bit more excited about the season. Like I said, you're watching Maxi and the growth he's continued to make as a shooter. You're watching a, a Nick Nurse defense that we just talked about yesterday, and they're flying all around and playing a fun brand of basketball. Joel Embiid is hopefully going to get back here for that last game. I want to get pumped up for the season. And instead, I'm talking about this nonsense for the 15th time in a month and a half. And it's just, we have to. It's our job. This is a material change in the status quo. But man, I just, I, I look forward to the day when like either he reports and he's just a, a normal player until they trade him or when he's traded and we can be like, all right, this is, this is their team. The roster is going to show up and, and try hard. And maybe that's not enough. Maybe that's not going to get you the championship that we're all gunning for. But at least we can talk about stuff on the court and we're just not there yet. I do keep circling back, though, to the fact that I think a new coaching staff gives them cover is probably the wrong word, but it gives them something to focus on that's not James, right? They don't they don't have the time and energy to spend all their time being like, well, what the hell is James going to do? Like if James showed up at a, a nightclub tomorrow and was out with a little baby popping bottles or he's with Michael Rubin in a casino in Vegas, or he's doing something that is drawing attention to himself. I don't know that these, I, I mean, obviously it's a story and a distraction on some level, but these guys are like rethinking how they're playing defense and yeah. rethinking what offense looks like, like around Joel Embiid and how does Tyrese Maxey become a full-time point guard potentially. And so, Whereas before, when it was Doc and Ben, it's like, okay, it's Doc's the incumbent. We know what to expect. Ben has been here for forever, and it was sort of a new thing. I, I just think that it's, it seems like it's going to be easier to compartmentalize this. And I would say this too, and Danny Green mentioned this when we talked to him at practice on Wednesday – they just have a lot of vets on this team mm -hmm. that I think these guys are just like, this is the business side of basketball and they don't have time to worry about. Like think about being Danny or Pat Bev or Kelly Oubre or Mo Bamba or all these guys that are on one year minimum type deals that this season for them is make or break on a lot of levels. It could be like for a guy like Kelly, for example, and I know him and James have some bad history that we've gotten into. But Kelly has a good year. He could go from being this minimum guy to all of a sudden he's an attractive wing player to a lot of teams in his you know late 20s and still in his physical prime. Or if you're Pat Bev, you prove that, hey, I had another good shooting season. I'm going to get another deal next year. Maybe I'll even get a multi-year deal at higher than the minimum, Give, get the mid-level from somebody. Mo Bamba, still a guy trying to make a career. So like yep. these guys have like their own lives and their futures that they have to focus on at a certain point. It's like, if James isn't here, who cares? I have to go to work and I have to do business. If James is here and he causes problems, I think Nick as the new guy will probably just say, fuck this, go home. We don't want you here and we'll go to war with who we have. Yep. It is, uh, it is tough because I feel like we have to almost talk about three teams. The one with Harden here trying hard. The one with Harden here not really trying, which I don't think would last long, but to your point, I think Nick would probably tell him, tell him to fuck off. Derek trying to destroy our microphones happens, in the studio right now. Happens almost every day. Uh, and then the one without Harden, 
and you really have to talk about each of those teams differently. The roles change very drastically. Um, it's been a it's been an interesting preseason, probably even more so than Ben because Ben just got here, put a phone in his pocket, and then took <laughs> off. It was you know. Uh, we have been through so much here, Derek. I'd say, and it's only we're removed from it to a certain degree, but covering this stuff is just. I definitely have more gray hairs than when we started. Sure. This. sure. <laughs> you can see them. You're close enough to you can see them popping in. We've on all the got side. our spots. We don't need to talk about it. That's yeah. fine. Um, uh, but you um, are not wrong. You are not wrong. Um, yeah. And I think some people think that we probably like thrive in this because we're media. Like, no, I, I got in this talk about basketball. I didn't get in this talk about even finances or holdouts or the best tactics to get your way. I thought that shit that happened on that court was freaking fascinating. And I wanted to talk about it. And eventually I talked about it enough where people started giving me money. I want to talk about that. <laughs> and that's what it, it, it's, it's, does it make our jobs easier? Maybe, I guess. Like this time us, of year, for sure, because but, it's it's the preseason, let's be honest. Let's talk hoops, man. And we're so close. We're so close. We are very close. And very this close. is I will say this, too. Between the Phillies and I feel like the Sixers vibes were kind of steadily trending upward yeah. a little bit. They had that nice game on Monday in Brooklyn. Defense is looking swarming. And all right, the, the good vibes are kind of here. And people are buying back in a little bit. And here comes the, the human turd in the punch bowl james to just ruin everything and i don't i don't necessarily blame him for it but it is what it is michael levin on twitter pointed out from the rights ricky sanchez of course no greater disparity in human history than the phil's literally kissing on the field and the sixers placing their balls in a vice and going this is our best option i missed the smooching on the field yeah. last night by the well, way well we couldn't was... see it from 400 feet away but yeah <laughs> it's true though it's we got this team to talk about can't choose it. All right. One more quick break here. If you have any questions, as always, drop them into the chat. I have a couple highlighted. We'll try to get to them. Before that, a quick word from FOCO. FOCO is a leading manufacturer of sports and entertainment merchandise with a product line that includes apparel, accessories, toys, collectibles, novelty items, and more. It's the best officially licensed gear for all sports and fandoms. And it is now football and tailgating season which means that overalls, hoodies, hats, sunglasses, bags, everything you need for a game, FOCO has. has. And FOCO has hooked PHLY up and provided awesome pieces for our sets. FOCO always has our back for Philly sports, and they have yours too. Get the best gear around by using the link in our description. For all non-presale items, use the promo code PHLY for 10% off. And again, we're just in the bank uh, at the ballpark. So a lot of overalls. A lot of overalls. (laughs) That is the end thing for this season. I don't entirely get it. As somebody who probably wouldn't feel comfortable walking around in just overalls, you're not going to see me doing it, but it is the in thing to do. Foco has that, but Foco has a wide range of stuff. Um, it is a pretty good, I'm, I'm going to get some stuff for uh, for my home my home office. It sounds like a, a plan to me. Uh, we have Brian in the comments who brought this up. Let's talk about a real teammate like Pat Bev defending Philip with a F against Ben Simmons. Did you see this clip from... Pat's podcast that circulated today. So anybody who missed it, and I just want to, Mia culpa, I fully rescind all criticism (laughs) of Patrick Beverly getting ejected from a preseason game because as he explained it, his beef was with Ben Simmons getting feisty and talking shit to Petrosev, their rookie or the team's rookie, and he said Pat was talking to Ben all night and getting no response. He even gave him like a little 
little glance elbow at one point under the basket after Brooklyn scored a basket. Ben didn't really say much of anything. And so his beef was with Ben feeling like he can pick on a guy who's like trying to make his way into the league and make a name for himself rather than the vets and the people with, you know, some real status or cachet in the league. And so I appreciate Pat going to bet to, to bat for his teammate, his young guy. That's what you should do. And because it was a preseason game, we don't have to give a single shit about the fact that he got ejected. So I say two thumbs up to Pat Bev for that one. Yeah. I think Pat Bev is the perfect kind of player who's really annoying when he's not on your team and you get him here and there's things aspects of his personality that are very endearing and aspects of his defense that are very endearing. I just wish he had a little more left in the tank offensively. So far he's looked fine, but I don't, you know, he has struggled. He has the looked last fine at a time when Jaden Springer looks incredible. Right. So I think right. that's probably the biggest problem for him. Yep. No, I agree. I have enjoyed I enjoy the Pat Bev personality. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Well I would say historically I've always been and I <laughs> This will make Russell Westbrook mad because he has that hilarious quote where he's like, Pat Bev trick y'all just running around doing nothing. I've always been a sucker for Pat Bev though because I just, I love the energy that he brings. And even if he gets personally humiliated by a guy on 20 straight possessions in a game, the 21st one, he's still coming with the same mentality, the same approach. And that's why there have been games where He's gotten a, like a 40 ball dropped on him by a really good player. And somehow he makes one play on the stretch of a game because he, a lot of guys would just fold and he just keeps coming. And so that's the type of mentality that I appreciate having in any sort of role player. I remember, I think it was Evan Turner who, you know, Pat Bev, I think Pat Bev was drafted in 2009, but he spent a couple of years playing overseas and he was trying to make his way in the NBA. So he was playing summer league. And he just ate Evan Turner up. Oh, this, yeah. this is a number two pick in the draft, and he could barely get a dribble off against Pat Bev, a, an undrafted guy who's playing overseas. And I'm not going to lie, that was the first time I went like, oh, shit, this whole Evan thing might not work out. <laughs> but also you were like, oh, man, that that, that guy is, is really good and really pesky and really annoying to play against. He would be a good person to have on the team. Now, it's not 2011, 2012 anymore. He has aged. His offensive productivity has fallen the last couple of years. There's questions whether he will get it back. But in terms of the defense, in terms of having that dog in him, he's always been fun to watch. And if he makes standstill threes, he'll definitely play. That's the last year the whole problem for him was that, yes, he has been on a slide athletically, physically, as a lot of players do when they get older, but he also shot like crap. And that's the part that you just can't live with for a guy that, is not going to be a, much of a creator on the offensive end. Yep. This one from Ronald. Any surprise young guys in camp you see making this team, or are they all, des- are they all destined for Delaware? I think the one that you and I were hoping would surprise, Jaquavion Smith, hasn't really gotten much of a run in the games. Yeah. I certainly don't necessarily expect him. You know, he will. He's a two-way, so he can pop up every now and then. I'm not sure I expect him to be on the rock. I mean, every like the, the G League season starts after, so they will be up here. But I expect most of his time to be in Delaware to start. Yeah, I, I think if he was going to... We keep hearing things like, oh, he's looked really impressive in scrimmages and things. Minutes. Yeah, and then he only plays garbage time. So mm-hmm. 
I think he's, I would still say I'm interested in him as a long-term bet. He's going to get some seasoning in the G League. Frankly, he's going to get some time to just add some muscle because as a skinny guy myself, I stand next to him and I'm like, man, that kid needs to put on some weight. So when I can say that and you guys can see my long lanky arms that I got over here, that's, uh, that's not a great sign. But I think all the, all the reasons that Derek and I liked him and were hopeful for him still there, still has great range, absolutely no conscience as a shooter and, I am looking forward to him putting up some absurd stat lines in the G League. I would say that. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Uh, we will be following following him probably more than we typically follow the G League prospects. Wow, we um, have Eugene Krabs in the chat talking about the Chum Bucket. Oh my God, what a what a guest appearance! I can't believe it. Sorry, Derek, that like totally threw me for a loop. Well, and your comment then completely threw me off what I was going <laughs> to say. I don't even really remember what I was going to say. Wow. Um, but yeah, we will be following Turk in the G League. I, I think we're both pretty interested in how he develops. To your point, he needs to put on on weight. There's just no getting one. Well, like honestly, if Ricky can ever shoot, I think you and I would both be higher on him. But that's my confidence uh, in that is pretty low. That is a pretty big if Agreed. where things stand right Agreed. now. Agreed. Any other ones you want to highlight? We had, here? A, I think. Bree had a, some questions set aside. I think there was one that was actually like a journalism yeah, question from Gavin. towards the bottom. Um, yeah, Gavin had a question. Yeah, uh, basically, uh, I have it right here. If you, there we go. Yeah. Um, as writers, you're on Twitter a bunch. Do you acknowledge amateur journalism? For lack of better words, do pro writers respect that kind of content? I think, I mean, Kyle and I came up as, like, I, I went yeah. to school as a computer engineer. We both came up through the blogging world. Certainly. Some of the best writing out there is from people who you would consider amateurs. Yeah, I think one of the reasons, I mean, I would say the primary reason Derek and I have jobs is that for a long time it was taken for granted that people could be real journalists and real reporters and analysts without coming up through the like newspaper ecosystem where you go to Topeka, Kansas or Fort Worth, Texas and you're covering high school sports and Oh, so you you know how to ask real questions and you know how to analyze this at a higher level. And I think that that has been debunked almost entirely. Now, I do think there have been some, just like with the CBA stuff we were talking about earlier, there are some unintended consequences of how much fan-driven writing is out there where I think people look at us as more of an extension of the team than we are. Where you you and I criticize the team as hard as anyone i would say yeah well i think and get pushed back because of that sure i think i think there's a couple things there's the amateur side of it which again i think there's a lot of really great stuff yeah and then there's also the impact of social media and yes. social media obviously creates avenues for amateur journalism that didn't exist like i would never have been able to get my career without twitter and social media but social media changes the game in a lot of unpleasant... Like, I think on one hand, it creates a little bit of an egalitarian sort of system where the best can rise to the top. On the other hand, there's ways to game it. And I think we see that at times, not just with amateurs looking to get attention, although that does happen, but also with the professionals and what they're 100%. able to put out there and what they're, you know, how they sort of get the message across that the, the various actors want out there... Um, it's just changed everything. I don't necessarily think for the better. 
you know, I think there's now so many voices out there that if you want to be a newsbreaker or an insider, you're more beholden to sources than you were in the past because if you don't play that game, they will just go to the next person who will. So I think there's a lot, you know, on the one hand, it's great because it creates opportunities. On the other hand, it does, like, as journalists, you have less, like back in 1980, if you're sitting here at the Philadelphia Inquirer, that team or that agent or whoever you're talking to has to deal with you and you have leverage because they have to, you, like your voice matters. You have to, they have to be able to influence your voice. Yes, but they don't have all the leverage because if you put out there something that is harmful to them, that's going to have consequence. But nowadays, like if somebody comes to a, an insider or a newsbreaker and you're not willing to put their spin on it, well, they'll just go right down the list. There's more options for them to try to tap into so it is tougher, I think, but that's not an amateur pro thing. That is a social media thing and the impact that has on all of our working conditions and leverage. Yeah, it's very so different. that's a long way of Derek and I saying, Gavin and everyone else, that the work is the work. So I don't. it doesn't matter where it comes from. I've seen absolutely incredible stuff come from somebody just like name.blogspot.com. Yep. It's just someone writing for fun and those people... Look, there are tons of examples that Derek and I could probably think of, of not only people going from where we came from to actual media positions, but people who did blogging and stuff for fun and organized cap sheets that now work for agencies or work for teams that became scouts or like, I mean, you know, Mike Schmitz, who worked at Draft mm -hmm. Express, who went from covering the draft on that side to now he's running a team essentially so there's you should never dismiss information because of where it comes from and that's kind of our job also is if there's information out there we have to filter it through the people that we trust and that's big part of the game yeah yeah no i mean look i've 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 i wrote at liberty ballers i wrote at philly mag i wrote at I was credentialed through DerekBodner.com, and then I went to The Athletic, which probably became maybe the second biggest sports media company. I was treated with respect from the team, and I think through fans at every stop. And I think that's really emblematic of the fact that it's not where you write anymore that truly matters. It's the reporter and the writer that you're reading. Um, and I think that's a great aspect of uh, the media ecosystem that we currently live in, but it does come with some trade-offs that social media has... an we're lucky. We talk about a game. Like there are other avenues uh, where the impacts of social media are much, much more damaging. Misinformation yes. and all kinds of other. We yeah. just we, we report about a game, um, but it has an impact on on everything. It really does. Uh, yeah. All right. I'm not sure I necessarily have any more questions to highlight, and we're running up towards the end of the time anyway. But uh, once again, hit that uh, like button, subscribe on YouTube, hit the bell notification so you get. Not or bell icons to so get notifications when we go on. Uh, we do do this five days a week. You can come in here and interact with us, uh, ask questions to us. Kyle will point out some of the people who are doing so through today's chat. <laughs> but thank you all for jumping on, and we will talk to you soon. Yeah, I always got a shout-out. Thank you to Gavin, Eugene Krabs. Big shout-out to Eugene Krabs. R.C. Burroughs, Brian, Tyler, Chris, Dave, all these – Again, I have to say it every day. It's wonderful having you guys with us. We will talk to you again tomorrow, and most likely it'll be about James Harden, but hopefully it's about something else. So we'll see you soon. To, to Tyler, there is no Tyler. There is only Zuli. Yes, bring back Aaron Nola.
Oh, wow. Big take down the pod. See you guys. <laughs> <laughs> we all silly like the mayor.